Beloved congregation of the Lord, last Sunday afternoon, we focused together on the fifth petition of the Lord's Prayer, guided by the Heidelberg Catechism, leading us into the scriptural truths of what we are praying. Father in heaven, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We expressed our great need for the forgiveness of our debts. And we confessed that when our heart's desire is to forgive others, and that is evidence of God's grace in us, that desire, heart's desire to forgive others is not there, that is evidence that God's grace is not in us. Today we are going to consider the sixth petition, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or you translate that from the evil one. And now, just like we saw last week, that the fifth petition was connected to the fourth one with that important word, and, so again with the sixth petition, that little word, and, is there. And, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, all in one breath, we can say, as we need our daily bread and daily forgiveness, so we need daily deliverance from temptations and from the evil one. And if we think about our our prayer life, and we are honest with each other and with ourselves, and then we, we must admit that the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, that that is a part of every prayer we pray. We're constantly asking God to supply our daily needs for food, for clothing, for shelter, for safety, for work, and, on, and it goes on. And and also, we, we repeatedly ask God to forgive us our sins. But why did Jesus give us this petition, the sixth petition? You know why that is, children? Because the devil hates Jesus' instructions about prayer. The devil has no delight at all in sinners speaking with God and having a relationship with God. And the devil will do whatever he can to prevent us from prayer. He'll whisper all kinds of things in our ears. You're way too busy to pray right now. Wait till later, when, when you have time, when, when you can concentrate better. Or he'll say, prayer, that's a waste of time. God has already made up his mind what he's going to do. Your prayer makes no difference. It, it has no results. Or, or he'll tell us, you're way too sinful to be asking God for anything, as if, as if God would listen to a sinner like you. The devil will do anything to stop people from calling on the name of Father in heaven. And Jesus knows that all too well from his own personal experience as a man in this life. And so he teaches us to pray, Father, lead us not into temptation, lest we give in to Satan's attacks. So break that communion with the Lord. Well, this morning, we look at that sixth petition. We want to do that in light of Luke 22, 
verse 31 and 32, and Lord's Day 52 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Question and answer 127. Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. This is the word of God. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And then Lord's Day 52, question and answer 127, what is the sixth petition? And the answer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That is, since we are so weak in ourselves that we cannot stand a moment, and besides this, since our mortal enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh, cease not to assault us, do thou therefore preserve and strengthen us by the power of thy Holy Spirit, that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare, but constantly and strenuously may resist our foes till at last we obtain a complete victory. So the theme this morning is praying for deliverance from temptation. And we want to think about temptations this morning and asking some questions about that. Where, where do they come from anyway? Where do temptations come from? And, and then secondly, what, why are they such a problem for us? And thirdly, are temptations real to Jesus? Does he know about temptations? Where do temptations come from? A simple answer, children, from the devil. That's where temptations come from. The devil is at war with God and his church. Even before the Lord proclaimed the first gospel promise in Genesis 3, you remember he spoke of that enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. Even before that, the devil was at war with God. That's why he tempted Eve in paradise. Satan's hatred against God and so against God's people is just as real today. Scripture tells us how Satan attacks God's people. Peter writes this, He walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now there's nothing subtle about a roaring lion. Maybe you've seen that on, on a video somewhere, some, a lion that's roaring. Well, in the jungle... When the lion roars, all those little creatures know, get out of the way. There's danger here. But Paul writes that Satan transforms himself into an angel of light, 2 Corinthians 11, and, and that he can come not as a roaring lion, but as a real gentleman, maybe dressed up in a nice suit, in a way that, that there's nothing there that you would, you would think that something evil is going on here. You would never guess that that, that was the devil. You would say, that's, that's an angel. And that's how Satan works today too. Paul understood that very well. So he instructs us in Ephesians 6, verse 11 and 12, to put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, 
but against principalities and powers and the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And here Paul speaks about the wiles or the tricks of the devil. And the devil is very, very tricky and crafty and deceiving. He can change his face a hundred times a day and you, you wouldn't recognize him. He can be loud and in your face and, and he can be very gentle. He can be pushy and he can be oh so subtle. And anything he can do to drive a wedge between God's people and their Savior, he will do. And he's not limited to his own resources. No, Paul also mentions principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. You remember from the gospel according to Mark, that man named Legion. How many demons did he have? A legion of them. Could have been up to 6,000 of them. And there are innumerable crafty demons fighting alongside the devil, and they're all as full of hatred against God and his people as the devil himself is. Children, do you think that the devil is here this morning? That the devil is at work here this morning? You think that those big blue doors at the back there can, can keep him out? Do you know that he works harder here in churches than anywhere else? You remember Jesus' parable about the sower sowing his seed. And some of that seed falling on that little pathway that wound its way through the field, and other seed fell where the soil was good. You remember how Jesus explained that parable? The seed, he said, is the word of God. It's the preaching of the gospel. And as soon as that word goes out, Satan immediately swoops down like a hungry bird to peck away the seed that lies on the wayside so we could say, watch out, here comes Satan. He doesn't want you to hear the word of God. He wants to peck that seed away before you even get there. And whatever, wherever the word of God is proclaimed, Satan is there to destroy that word, to make sure that it does not bear any fruit in our lives. He knows very well that when the preaching of God's word bears fruit, in the heart of a sinner, then that sinner is going to pray to God. And he knows the power of that prayer. He knows that the Bible teaches, and it's repeated in the catechism, God will give his grace and Holy Spirit to those only who with sincere desires continually ask them of him and are thankful for them. So the devil will do everything he can to prevent us from having that word of God bearing fruit in our lives. So when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord Jesus, please teach us to pray, he not only instructs them to pray for daily bread and daily forgiveness of sins, but because Jesus takes the devil very serious, he instructs us to take him seriously too. And so he teaches us to speak to our Father in heaven about the devil. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's what we pray to Father in heaven. Father, do not lead us into temptation. That can be kind of a confusing statement, doesn't it? Because that, that makes it sound like, like God can actually tempt us to sin. After all, he is, he is sovereign. But we need to consider what temptation is. Temptation is an enticement that we set before somebody to make that person sin. It's like a lure that a fisherman uses. And a fisherman casts his line into the water with that lure on it. He is enticing that fish to bite his lure. And a smart fisherman knows exactly what type of lure to use for, for the fish he wants to catch. And the devil is the smartest fisherman this way ever. He's had so much experience, like 6,000 years worth of experience doing this. He's very good at it. Jesus knows that. And Jesus tells us to ask God not to lead us into temptation. But James writes in James chapter 1, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. God does not tempt us to sin. He can't do that. And he doesn't. But God does place us in situations that are a test for us. A test whether we will use this particular situation for his glory, for his honor, or not. And then the devil comes along with his bait and his lures, and he entices us to sin. And how, how does he do that? How, how does that work? Let's think about that. Right? By God's sovereign leading and providence, we do not live in the year 1522. But we live in the year 2022. We don't live in poverty. We live in wealth. We're amongst the, the top 10% wealthiest people in the whole world, no matter how, how poor we think we are here. We don't live in South Sudan, where there's famine, but we live in central Alberta, where there's plenty. And in God's providence, we live in a time where, where we have developed so many sophisticated means of, of transportation and communication. We have cars, airplanes, televisions, computers, smartphones. We have the internet. Those are all wonderful gifts from God for the use in his kingdom and for his glory. The test of God to us is, will we use these gifts for God's glory or for ourselves only? But watch out. Here comes Satan. 
with his temptations. And what does he do? He wants us to use our money and our possessions for, for all kinds of things that give no glory to God. How? Think about a moment about our homes, about the vehicles we drive, and then ask the question, am I using now my money and my possessions in ways that bring glory to God? Or am I giving in to the temptations of Satan and becoming materialistic? thinking only about what I have here and now, what more I can get? Am I more interested in gathering more stuff for me with my money? Or am I striving to do all things to the glory of God? The devil comes, you see, and he tempts us to take our eyes off the giver of all the gifts that we receive, and he tempts us to forget Almighty God has every single dollar in this world under his perfect and complete control. And he wants us to forget that every dollar comes from him and is for him. Think about computers. Just another example of, of our modern technology. It's amazing. Computer technology and television technology have been such a great blessing from God. This, this technology makes it possible for cancer patients to receive the proper diagnosis. This technology makes it possible for little preemies to receive amazing neonatal care in the hospitals. This technology makes it possible to broadcast our worship services here around the whole world. This is the technology that is used to bring the gospel to the ends of this world, around the globe. But that same technology is also abused to bring Satan's message, which is anti-God and anti-biblical and ungodly around the whole world. So, you see, computers and television technology are gifts from God to test us. Will we use them for God's glory, for the extension of his kingdom? But watch out, here comes Satan, and he turns God's tests into temptations for sin. And so we ask ourselves, how do we use our computers and our smartphones? The devil is so smart, he'll come and he'll whisper, no one sees what you're doing. Go ahead, scroll down. Just a few more clicks. See what's all out there. And, and while we're surfing the net, are we praying? And while we're watching endless hours of professional sports on TV, are we praying? Or endless hours of entertainment on Netflix or Disney Plus or YouTube, are we praying? Or very secretly, nobody knows, watching porn 
Are we praying then? Our Father in heaven, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Why are temptations such a problem for us? That's our second thought. It's so easy to think sometimes, isn't it, that whether we're tempted to obey our parents or other authorities or tempted to, to treat anyone in, in an ungodly way, whether in our own family or, or anywhere else, it's so easy to think, I can handle the devil. I'll just say no when the temptation comes. I'll just stand up and I'll say no, I'm not doing this thing. But see, just saying no isn't so easy. The Catechism is very honest with us. It says we are so weak in ourselves, we cannot stand a moment. And that's not all. We have three deadly enemies. The devil, the world, and our own flesh. And they never stop assaulting us. They're always attacking. And so we say, Father in heaven, preserve and strengthen us by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we may not be overcome in this spiritual warfare. That's what it is, a warfare. But that we may constantly and strenuously resist our foes until at last we obtain a complete victory. At last complete victory. We might think that we're quite strong and that we can handle temptations. And if that program on TV turns out to be evil, we'll, we'll just shut it off. But see, when we know ourselves even a little bit by the, by the illuminating power of the Word and the Holy Spirit, then you know you are weak in yourself. You know you are dependent on the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus to flee from temptations. You cannot stand a moment on your own. You can't resist your foes by yourself. Catechism is not very flattering, is it? Last week it told us we're just poor sinners. And now we're told you're so weak you can't even stand on your own two feet for a moment. And it's all true. But the Lord makes it clear in his word that believers do not have to yield to temptation. No Christian can ever say, but, but nobody was ever tempted the way I'm tempted. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. There's always a way out. There's always a way to walk away. So when we do yield to temptation, it's always a matter of choice. We choose to go the devil's way. We choose to give in to the devil 
and not to the Lord. I, I think, I hope everyone here would agree that the disciple Peter was, was full of zeal for the Lord Jesus. He, he loved his master Jesus dearly. Peter was eager to do whatever he could for his master. Jesus says to that Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. It's another way of saying that, that he may tempt you. But I have prayed for you, says Jesus, that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. The beauty in that verse is that when it says Satan has asked for you that he may sift you, that, that word you there is plural. So when Jesus says that he's talking not, not just about Peter, but all of the disciples, Satan wants to sift you as we'd all of you, but I have prayed for you, Peter, and that you is singular. Jesus personally prayed for Peter, specifically personally. Jesus told Peter, Satan wants to have a go at you, Peter. He wants to tempt you. And Peter, Peter thought he, he stood strong and solid and safe. What does he say in Luke 22? Lord, I'm ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Don't worry, Lord Jesus. I can handle this. I can handle whatever Satan will throw at me. I'm a strong believer. I stand. I look after myself. Bring it on, Satan. I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. And we know how that turned out, right? After, after Jesus' arrest, Peter says three times, I don't even know. Was Peter strong or was Peter vulnerable? Was Peter an easy prey for Satan? Oh, this self-confident Peter, he was no problem at all for the devil. That's Peter. So why do we think that we are able to handle Satan's temptations? The devil just loves it when we think we're strong enough to play with sin and then, and then pull back before we get really hurt. Those who think they are the strongest are the devil's easiest prey. The ones who are strong in themselves, they, they let their defenses down. Those who think they are standing, Paul writes, beware lest you fall, because you're not praying the sixth petition. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. Those with high self-esteem are not utterly dependent on the grace of God. The devil likes nothing better than a Christian who is self-confident. He loves that. Let's not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. In ourselves, we are so weak, we can't even stand for a moment. 
The truth is, beloved, in in face of Satan's attacks, we are vulnerable. We're easy victims for him. When Jesus taught his disciples and us to pray this sixth petition, he wanted to impress on our hearts just how vulnerable we are. Father, do not lead us into any situation where Satan can tempt us because we can't stand. Instead, deliver us from the evil one. Do you include this prayer in in your regular prayers? You know, when we begin to pray this earnestly, when we know ourselves to be oh so weak, when we know ourselves to be weak, then, then we will be very careful to stay away from situations where we know Satan's temptations are so strong. We'll avoid places where the music or the atmosphere makes it difficult to pray, to pray for strength against temptations. And we'll avoid the alcohol and the drug abuse that that dull our senses of right and wrong, that dull our desire to fight against evil. And we'll avoid exposing ourselves to TV programs and advertisements that, that fill our thoughts with adultery and materialism, and self-centeredness, and instead, because we know ourselves to be so weak, we'll pray this petition persistently, Lord, Father, deliver us from the evil one. Jesus teaches us to take the devil seriously, and then to flee to God for protection, and safety. That God will give the protection and safety we desire. That God in Christ Jesus has already battled the devil on the cross and has defeated him. We cannot stand against the devil and his attacks, but the Lord Jesus Christ And when you begin to take the devil seriously, then you too will begin to pray this petition seriously. Are temptations real to Jesus? When the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to pray, Father, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We may be thinking, but Jesus doesn't really understand my situation. He doesn't really understand my particular temptations. But he does. He's speaking from his own experiences as a man. Hebrews 4 verse 15, we we talked about it in the Bible study last week. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was in all points tempted as we are. Whatever temptations we face, Jesus has been tempted that way before, yet without sin. Jesus knows what temptation is. 
In Mark 14, that's the parallel passage to Luke 22, Jesus spoke to his disciples during his bitter suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he has seriously instructed them and warned them. He said, watch and pray. Watch means keep awake, keep alert, and pray. You could say, watch, meaning keep your eye on the Lord Jesus. And at the same time, keep an eye out for the enemy, for Satan. And while you are keeping your eye on Jesus and keeping an eye out for the enemy, keep on praying for alertness and for watchfulness. Why, why does Jesus stress that with his disciples? Watch and pray. Why, Jesus? Well, he tells them, lest you enter into temptation. Watch and pray, beloved, so that you do not enter into temptation. Jesus knows the reality of Satan's temptations. He knows the disciples' weaknesses. And Jesus implies that if we do not watch and pray, we will enter temptations. And Jesus also knows something else that is true. For all his disciples, for all believers, he says it in Matthew 26, in that same context, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Their believers are our earnest heart's desire is to do what is right, to do what is pleasing to God. But we find out every day, don't we, that we must deal with the weakness of our flesh. Yes, the Spirit equips us and enables us for holiness, for godliness, but the flesh is so weak that we frequently fall. Yes, the grace of the Holy Spirit is so strong, and yet we are weak according to the flesh. And one of Satan's most common temptations is, is to do anything he can to draw believers away from the Lord Jesus Christ, because that way he can rob us of any assurance we have in Christ Jesus. If, if he can prevent us from having a close walk with God, our life will be fruitless. And how does a believer walk most closely with God in Christ? How does a believer follow the Lord most fully, as it says Caleb did in the Bible? It, it's by living from the promises of God's Word. It's from knowing that Word having it ingrained in our minds and in our souls so that we will always be looking to the Lord Jesus Christ by his word, by the use of the sacraments, by reading good books that, that glorify God and, and that teach us about him and about Jesus. And we live in a, in a day and an age when there are more good books available at our level than there ever have been. That's right now. Are we using them? Are we being active in, in our church's events and meetings and, and activities? 
being involved in, in our church family's life, sharing each other's sorrows and sharing each other's joys. When we think of this church family, we often say, this is really special, what we have here. The love and the unity that we have is, is unique. We think of, of this church family and its unique group of people. And we remember that God in his providence led us here. Whether we were brought up in this church or came from somewhere else later on, the Lord chose this local church in which to plant us and nourish us. And the Lord chose these Christians here to be our church family on this earth. And at times, we have a tendency to forget that we have a church family, except on Sundays. But we are family every day of the week. Watch and pray, says Jesus, that you enter not into temptations. To just keep to yourself. Members of a loving church family know each other. Make efforts to know each other. Watch and pray. Do not neglect your fellow church members. Just think about, think with me about this church and our church family. What, what a blessing that is from the Lord God. What amazing. And here we have the privilege two times every Lord's Day to hear the preaching of the Word of God. It is in this local congregation that we have the privilege of partaking of the Lord's table. It's with these sinners, these ones set apart here by, by the Lord God that we hear gospel preaching. And then we're all the same. We're all sinners who need the precious blood of Christ, but God has placed us here. And that's very evident every Sunday. That's especially evident when the Lord's Supper is administered. We hope to do that again in a few weeks. But what about the other times when our church family gathers? Are, are we there then too? I think just to help us, to help me understand this thought a little bit, I, th I thought about a husband who says, I love my wife and doesn't want to be with her. What would we think of a husband like that? Or a teenager who says, I love my family and is never home, never spends time with his family. What, what do we think of that, of that particular teenager? And then I think about the congregational prayer meeting of this church. One evening per month, or maybe, maybe one hour, we have a congregational 
monthly prayer meeting. And in the year and a half that I've been here, many of you have never come to the prayer meeting. I love my church family. I want to be there when she gathers, not just on Sunday. Think of the Bible studies. Some of us don't come to Bible study either. And as, as pastor, I just have to wonder, are we then at home doing private Bible studies? Watch and pray, says Jesus, that you enter not into temptation. We can be so tempted to just be lone ranger types, to be independent. In church life, we are not independent. We need each other. We are a covenant church community. But because we are the church, we are a work in progress. We're like a construction site. It gets very messy at times. Other times it's tidied up nice. Other times it's messy again. But in the church, the Lord is building his church. And Satan, no matter all his temptations, will not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we know by now, we are not perfect Christians. There's no such thing, especially not here, especially as long as, as long as I'm here. And yet, despite all our works and our blemishes and our imperfections and our sins, the Lord again gives the preaching of the gospel every Sunday, calling sinners to faith, calling sinners to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus. He, he gives us his sacraments to strengthen our faith and our resistance to the devil. And he uses those sacraments to encourage us, to uplift us, to feed our souls. In the preaching of the gospel of Christ, he directs us to look, look away from, from here and even here and to look to the Lord Jesus and to consider him and to trust in the Lord Jesus. The same thing he does when the sacraments are administered. Whether it's baptism or the Lord's Supper, we are directed to look to Jesus, to trust in Jesus Christ. Last week, we learned that the evil one tempts us to have an unforgiving spirit. That comes from him, from the devil. This week we learn to pray, Father in heaven, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one because we are so weak. We can't stand a moment on our own two feet 